We must take every advantage and every opportunity to share Jesus with those that we love and we know. Because the day will come in eternity when we'll be able to look back and have knowledge of all that we've done. And when we survey our lives at that time, we don't want to have any regrets. We want to be found faithful in everything. I'm so glad that, that Hayes and Drake and Emily had families that loved them enough to share Jesus and bring them to church. But not every child has that opportunity. Sometimes church has to go to them. Sometimes it goes to a neighbor's house. It goes to a school. It goes to a playground or a ball field. And it's important for us to do that and understand that we take out the gospel. We are the device of assimilating the truth to the world. No other thing was chosen. No other identity is there other than being a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, and one who is a discipler of those who follow Christ. I, too, looked at that passage when, when George came up to pray, and I thought about the fact that we're in a world now where our own missionaries in this country can't reveal who they are. There are places in this country that if they were known, they would not be safe to serve. The re reality is that we live in a world that has become hostile to the cause of Christ. And we must understand the importance of being that voice. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify, the, sanctify Christ the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, with gentleness and with reverence. The world needs to hear that voice. It needs it. Without it, there is no other voice that can change them. Philip was an amazing man when he spoke. This isn't the Apostle Philip. This is the deacon, or called the evangelist Philip. He had daughters, remember, that, that they preached and prophesied also. He apparently cared about people. It's amazing in this passage that he was taken by God and placed in that spot at that time and given the words to speak. He was told to stand there and listen and wait. And when he spoke and he had fulfilled his duty in baptism, he disappeared. Now, I've had folks around that, that you turned around and they disappear on you, but not quite like that. That's amazing. Philip was an obedient follower of Christ that was there at a, a unique time. The Ethiopian eunuch was not an average sort of guy. You don't just sit around in your vehicle reading the book of Isaiah back in that day. Number one, that tells me that they must have had some money somewhere. I, I told my neighbor, Dr. Jerry Gunnels, the other day, folks didn't just walk around and have a copy of the book of Isaiah. You had to be either very wealthy to have it, or you had to be the head of a government that had a conquest over people that had copies of Scripture. And you acquired it, and it was very, very valuable. 
He was reading that, and yet as he was drawn to it, he couldn't understand it. And he wanted to. Now, here's the amazing thing. Philip could have been one of those individuals that said, I don't want to get involved. You know, that's just not my cup of tea. I'm here to do other things. You know, my life's more about me. But he didn't do that. He listened to God, and he followed God. Philip was an ordinary person who did extraordinary things. He's the kind of person God wants each of us to be. Tell me what good news you share. Now, some people assimilate news. It's not the kind of news that will change someone's life. It might disturb someone. It might just, just carry on an untruth, but, but it may not be the words that would change someone. Philip understood the importance of what he was doing. And I want to think about who Philip was because you were Philip many days in your life. You have the opportunity to make a difference. And when that eunuch was baptized and left there rejoicing, the good news of the gospel headed into a country in the hands of the second most powerful man there. He was literally the right-hand man of the queen, Candace, of the people there. He was powerful and influential. People listened to him. And the gospel could have been shut off from him had Philip not moved. I want to think about what you were called to do today and what we're all called to do because the truth of the matter is there are many people that don't know Jesus and that will never hit this water in a purposeful way if we don't share truth with them and make a difference in their life. What are we called to do? I think first we're called to respond positively to your divine appointment. When God calls you to speak, speak. I'll tell you something else. A lot of people don't want to share the gospel because they don't know exactly what they're going to say. You know what? When you have your devotions and you pray and read Scripture, ask God. He has an amazing way of speaking through us when we don't even plan it. He has a way of, of sharing with people the words that we speak in a powerful way, even when we haven't planned it out. I'm getting back the, uh, on Facebook the little reminders, you know, you get your, a year ago you posted this or two or three years. I'm getting back to one-year post that I did when we would, would do the, the Sunday school lessons and such as that on Facebook. And, and Harriet, your, your lesson came up a week ago. And John, I don't see him here, but John Moore's lesson came up three weeks ago. It's, it was a year old. And I was amazed at that, how people listened to that. Hundreds of people listened to those. Dr. Gunnels, I interviewed Dr. Gunnels a little over a year ago. Thousands of people watched that interview and listened to those words of hope and encouragement. Never did I imagine that Facebook would be uh, the, the tool through which we would share the truth of the gospel, but it, it, it worked at a time when there was no other way to speak truth or to assimilate the gospel to a large crowd of people. Here's what's important. We've got to make ourselves available for whatever is there. We've got to respond positively to our divine appointment. Philip didn't know why the Holy Spirit told him to get up and go, but he went. And you've got to have a heart that's in tune with God to hear his voice. He has a way of speaking 
Adrian Rogers said one time, he said, God doesn't speak to me in an audible voice. He said, it's much louder than that. And I agree with it. When the Holy Spirit speaks within you, you don't stay still. You move. And you see the evidence of that by the fruit that's produced by what you say. God has used all of you if you've made yourself available. And he wants to continue to do that. You know, Philip could have been intimidated. He's standing there before one of the most powerful people from one of the most rich countries in the world. But you notice he placed himself there at, at the urging of the Spirit and just stood there and waited. He was available for truth to make a difference. You willing to engage people? What do you talk about? Do you like to talk about politics? Do you like to talk about athletic sports? What's going on in the rivalries out there? We talk about a lot of things that don't matter that are meaningless. We, we discuss things as if somehow we have influence and power. We, we really don't. We really don't. I don't care how loud you scream. Somebody on the team doesn't know your voice, they're not listening to you. But I'll tell you this, no matter how quietly you whisper a prayer to the Lord, He hears it. If you appeal to Him, He will speak to you. That's called guidance, and, it, and it's so powerful. But, but you've got to be in a posture to listen. What I mean by that is you have to want to hear Him, and He'll guide you, and He'll give you the words that you need. Now, I'll tell you this. In order to do that, you've got to step outside of your comfort zone. Now, you know what your comfort zone is. That's, that's that circle of, of friends and family that you stay close to. That's that, that hobby that you have that you, you, you never let it go. That, that's that maybe the iPhone that never leaves you. You have to step outside of that comfort zone sometime to hear the Lord, to have him come and challenge you and, and, and give you a direction that's real. You want your life to have purpose and meaning? Let God speak. You willing to go there? You're willing, are you willing to let that happen? Are you willing to be used by God in a way that, that gives you such purpose in life that suddenly you realize, wow, I didn't realize how connected I was with the kingdom of God. I didn't realize how much God wanted to use me. Some people live off of stories of the past. And they tell the same stories over and over. And you hear them over and over as if, they're telling something new, but it's nothing new. You know, history's nice, but history just gives us an idea of what's happened before. God's called us to be change agents, to make a difference. The reality is that, that, that we are to be the people of change. One of the acronyms years ago in, in in an evangelism class that I was in, it called it FIRE, F-I-R-E, go to, go to friends, interests, religious background, and evangelism. These are the things you're called to do. You're called to get involved with friends and their interests that they have. You may be working in, as a scoutmaster, or you may be involved in, in an exercise group or a yoga class, but you're really, you're that secret person there that goes by initials. 
Because you can't say, look, I'm here for the cause of Christ. Oh yeah, I paid my money and I'm involved, but I'm here for Jesus. And you say, Lord, give me someone that's looking for hope and help. And I promise you he'll do that. There are people who are seeking out a, a reason to make a difference. And so they go to a church. Folks used to say, well, I go to so-and-so church because that's where I'm fed. You know, cows go to a barn to be fed too, but churches don't work that way. A church is here, and, and, and Jeff and I talked many times about this. A church is here to give people direction and inspiration, courage, and, and to bring them together and, and, and cause them to be prepared to go forth. But the reality is we can't feed people. Not in 20 minutes. Well, you know I'm not going to preach a 45-minute sermon. I just don't do that. You know, I, I, I have the kind of personality after 30 minutes, I just shut it off. You do too. Don't laugh. I can see it. I see those eyes roll back in your head. I'm not going to do that. I learned a long time ago, if you want people to love you, make sure that Father's Day, Mother's Day, Easter, and, and, and Christmas Eve, you let people out early. They love you, don't they? And what's great, Christmas Eve, Laurie sings for me at the end of it, and everybody's happy. I'm not trying to, to give a religious soliloquy about some theological truth that, that I believe is significant or important. No, I'm planting seeds. That's all I want to do is plant a seed in somebody's heart that will remain there, that will make a difference. That's what God has called us to do. One of my favorite people in history is St. Augustine. St. Augustine, as a young man, was probably as perverse a human being as you could find. He lived among the, 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 the cultural beatniks of his day. He, he loved to party. He loved to drink. He caroused. He, 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 just, he loved to just go out and do anything he could with that group to be accepted. He, he, was, he was in a circle that just loved life, and, and they were debaucherous, and they didn't care. But one day, God got a hold of him. And irony of ironies, of all things, he got a hold of him in a sermon in a church. He had traveled to, to Milan, and there the bishop of Milan was preaching, St. Ambrose. And St. Ambrose hit on a subject that somehow just began to resonate in his heart. And it wouldn't let go of him. As he was walking out of the church, he, he heard a small child on the other side of a stone wall, and the child kept saying the same thing over and over. And, and the child was saying, pick it up and read it. Pick it up and read it. Now, that was not a common phrase back then because a lot of people couldn't read, and they didn't have anything to read. Augustine took it that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, telling him to go and find a copy of scripture and pick it up and read it and he did and he turned to Romans 13 13 and he read this not in carousing or in drunkenness not in excess or lust not in quarreling or jealousy rather put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh now think about that 
Think about hearing that and being, and, and he was so changed that he went back to the church in Milan to St. Ambrose and there during an Easter vigil on April the 24th of 387 A.D., Augustine was changed forever. Now that didn't mean that everything in his life was different. It is said that several weeks later he was walking through a city, uh, I mean a city street there, uh, in, in Milan, and one of his lady friends saw him at a distance, and she wanted to go party with him. And she began to run in his direction through the crowd of people, and she began to yell. And she said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I, it is I. And it is said that he turned and looked at her, and he took off running the other way, and he screamed back. He said, yes, but it's not I. <laughs> he was a changed man. He no longer followed after those things. He had different friends and different playgrounds to be in. He understood that. Because of that, the world changed. St. Augustine, as a bishop of Hippo in northern Africa, wrote several books that changed the world. One of them, The City of God. As he described the kingdom of God and how it influenced us as mere humans and how we could connect with so great a God by just simply hearing his voice and following him. One of the things that's sad in my lifetime is some of the voices I listen to are gone. One of my favorite voices that I heard growing up and well into my adulthood was Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey was that odd voice of that little short man that had the big head that, that would speak every morning all over America on the radio at 8.30 in the morning, and then at noon, and then at 5.30 in the evening with his The Rest of the Story stories. I have books by him. I have CDs about him. I even have several DVDs of speeches he gave in universities. But I was so fascinated to hear this story, and I want to share it with you as we close. Paul Harvey was saved one day in a remarkable way. As a young man, he was in an environment where Christ was being preached and, and he accepted Christ as Savior. He knelt and he prayed and, and he went forward with his life. But he realized something was missing. Something wasn't there. And that something that wasn't there was the fact that he'd never been baptized. He said that as an adult, when his, when his children were already grown and he had, had kind of moved on into that time of life where he and his wife would enjoy life on their own traveling. They had gone to Cave Creek, Arizona, to a resort. And in that resort, there was a little church that would meet during the season when tourists were there. And for some reason, one night in their hotel room, he said, his wife said, let's go to church tomorrow. That's a beautiful little church there. Let's just go and, 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 and go to church together. So they did. And they walked in, and he said he was one of 12 people in that church. He said he sat back in the pew and realized that it was probably going to be a long service. Remember, Paul Harvey did everything with sound bites, and usually in three-minute segments. So he didn't like to sit for a long time. He said the preacher got up and laid down his Bible, and he said, my text today is going to be centered on the, on the sermon based on baptism. And Paul Harvey said he shuffled around a little bit and closed his eyes and crossed his arms and prepared to get through it. But he said, as he began to speak, it was like God penetrated his heart with those words. 
Because the first words out of the minister's mouth was this. Possibly there's somebody here that turned their soul and their life over to Jesus because they wanted to spend eternity with him in heaven. Yet they've forgotten that when you trust him with your soul, you also find obedience in following his every instruction. And possibly you've not been baptized. Paul Harvey said that was the end of his nap. He began to listen as the pastor poured through that. And he said, the Spirit of God gripped him and he thought, I've not been obedient. I have not listened to God. I've trusted him with my soul, but I've not trusted him with my life. And as he listened, he said immediately, without even thinking about it, without making a decision or anything, immediately when they gave an invitation, he said, I just looked up and I was there before the preacher and I said, I'm the one you were talking about. He said it was one of those gatherings where they knew that there wouldn't be the same crowd there the next Sunday. So he said he went around with a man. He put on a robe, changed clothes, and they baptized him right there. And he said, you know, I thought, well, we'll go ahead and do this. And he says something remarkable happened. He said it wasn't the water I was in or the robe I was wearing. It wasn't the crowd of 12 parishioners in that little bitty chapel. But he said when I came up out of that water, I was a different man. Because I realized that as you step forward in obedience to God, God moves forward into your heart in a more amazing way. It's not magic. It's not a trick. It's just opening your heart to God and allowing him in in a very special way. Today's a good day. Three young people that I love dearly have made their decision. And their life will never be the same. We won't get to watch all of it. Their life will move on and they'll move about. But this day will make a difference to them. Because their course has been reset. They've made that level of commitment. Spirit of God will go with them. That still small voice will whisper. And they'll respond. And no, you won't be able to read about it in this world. There, there will not be any notices anywhere. There won't be a, a, a volume or two written about it. But one day in heaven, an environment that's perfect, when we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, according to Scripture, we'll go back and we'll look at Hayes Moore or Emily or Drake Chappelle. And there we'll know that that was the beginning of great things for them. Are you willing to be a part of that in somebody's life that's not here today? Are you willing to assimilate the gospel to someone that has not heard? You see, the most difficult thing is, 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 is not to get people to understand the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The most difficult thing we have is getting the gospel out of this building into the lives of people out there. And that's your responsibility. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that as we are gathered together here today, we have so much to be thankful for. But the reality is, as we are thankful, we also understand we have a responsibility. A responsibility of sharing the gospel with those around about us. We can't hesitate. We can't negotiate. 
We can't walk away from it. Lord, we don't understand.